Hey friends, so glad you're here. I have a surprise for you, but first I want to tell you this. Our online class program for 2023 opens for registration on Monday, December 5th at noon Eastern. It can be a bit like trying to buy tickets for a Taylor Swift concert. You're going to want to set your alarms, get in front of your computer, and be ready to buy the seat you want before the class fills. That said, our system can handle you, unlike, say, a big ticket vendor who shall not be named. But here's the surprise. For 12 hours only, Brave Writer is putting our most popular online writing classes on sale. Those classes are Brave Writer 101 and 102, and Essay Writing 101 and 102. Sign up for the two classes in the series at once and take 12% off the total registration fee at checkout. It happens automatically. This is your chance to have a complete sense of writing in the second semester of the school year. That means you will learn the skills you need in Brave Writer 101 and 102 to be the effective and supportive writing coach and ally you want to be to your kids for the rest of their writing lives. And for your high schoolers, Essay Writing 101 and 102 lay the appropriate foundation for the rest of high school and well into their college experience. I invite you to set your calendar alarms now, and we'll see you at noon Eastern on December 5th. Thanks for listening. And now let's dive into the podcast. Happy or not so happy holidays to all of you (laughs) tuning into the podcast today. Today is a freewheeler. I want to share with you my thoughts on how to keep yourself feeling sane during the holiday season while you take responsibility for your kids' education, aka homeschool, if that's what you do. One of the things I remember during the years that I was homeschooling is there was always this conundrum that everybody thought they needed to solve. And it was this, the holidays are coming. We know we're going to be baking cookies or going on outings or participating in programs. And those are going to crowd into the ordinary routine of homeschool. So how do we keep that going? (laughs) It's as though we admit on the one hand that we're about to enter this pressure cooker of holiday expectations and experiences And we literally think it's possible to sustain the same level of homeschooling that we were when none of those things were a part of our already very busy lives. There are some homeschoolers who recommend just taking the whole month off, like December is just a month for cookies and music and all those expectations and experiences that have nothing to do with math, science, and history. And then there are other homeschoolers who just refuse to participate in those activities because they're so afraid of getting behind in the homeschool routine. I would like to offer a third way. (laughs) There's always a third way or a fourth way or a 12th way. So let's sort of tease apart the expectations and then discover if there's a way that we can reframe that month where we will feel both satisfied with the homeschool performance and the joy of the season. So the first thing that I want you to consider while I'm sort of chatting away here on the podcast 
is to ask yourself how important the holidays are to you because it really varies. Not everybody celebrates Christmas. And for people who don't, December might not be that important a month and you're just feeling pressured by all of this cultural Christmas pressure to act as though this month needs to be filled with activity. You might be able to pick a different month. Maybe if you're Muslim, you pick the month of Ramadan and because that rotates every year, that's the month you're really gonna just take a break and not worry about the homeschool so much. And December is actually going to be the month that you buckle down and keep going with your schoolwork and you're not going to feel or cave to the sort of community pressure to do this Christmas celebration. So I'll leave that to you and your religious or non-religious commitments, but really genuinely pose to yourself this question. Is the cultural pressure and tradition-making a part of my family's experience? Do I need to embrace it? Because maybe you don't. The second thing I would ask is, does it need to last a whole month? Maybe your big experiences of holiday celebration are compressed during the last two weeks of the year. If that's the case, the first two weeks can continue the same way as September, October, and November. There's no reason to suddenly just give up your routine that's comfortable and enjoyable just because everybody else is. So really get granular here. Where are these activities, events, and experiences happening? And can you just bracket off that set of weeks, whatever time of the year that is, and give yourself grace to enjoy that season and not feel homeschool pressure? The second thing I would say is it's totally okay to take all of December off if you're that kind of family, because the holidays give you like a million and one ways to do all the subjects. So that's what I want to pivot to next. If you're the kind of person who's like, yippee, Thanksgiving through New Year's, I just want to do something different than supervising the usual workbook routine we've been doing for the last several months. So a couple of ways to do that. First of all, December is a very natural time to read books and watch movies. And so I say max out on that. Pick read-alouds that have corresponding movies. I know in our family, we did that with Lord of the Rings and the Narnia series uh, during December because those movies just felt like they went with that time of the year. I don't know if they actually did, but we came to so strongly associate the two that that's what happened for us. Even Jane Austen got thrown in there at some point, and I don't know why. Maybe she celebrates Christmas or maybe the balls feel like Christmas or something, but that's what we did. We would pick sort of these epic books and read them and watch the movies and have popcorn and light a big fire. We live in the North where it's cold and snowy. So that always felt very cozy and holiday-esque. And uh, I even, dare I admit it, let my kids watch movies before we read books because sometimes that invites interest in the books. So books and movies, really enjoy them during this month. Another thing to realize is that handicrafts, gift wrapping, shopping for gifts, staying on a budget, making the toys I want for Christmas or Hanukkah lists, all of that is actually helpful to your homeschooling subjects. For instance, list making 
is just such a winner for kids ages six through about 10 or 11. So making a list, and you could even break it out by category, like list of Lego builds that I want as a gift, lists of American Girl Trousseau accessories that I want. Having your kids learn how to put those items in a list and to put prices or maybe website links of where those items could be found is a fabulous skill to build. You might even teach your child how to use Google Sheets or an Excel spreadsheet. That would be an amazing skill. And let me just tell you right now, your child's going to want to fill it in because it's gifts they want, right? Like, let's not teach them Google Sheets and Excel spreadsheets to discuss types of office supplies or fruits and vegetables. Let's do it with gifts they want to be given. And trust me, they will master those skills. So that's something fun you can do during December. Another thing you can do is give your kids a budget of money that you might give them to spend on gifts for their siblings. So the siblings now can make lists for each other within a certain price range. And then your kids, maybe you've got five kids like I do, and you decide that each child can have um, a sibling spend $10. So that's $50 per kid to spend on a on their siblings. And they can start comparing, you know, how much money they're spending, or maybe it's $50 and they divide it five ways and they have to figure that out. So using like a budget against gift giving is a way to talk about money and adding and subtracting and budgeting, which is something we don't often do during the rest of the school year. Happiest of holidays to everyone who celebrates anything in December. If you aren't yet a member of our membership community called Brave Learner Home, I invite you to join us. We're over 13,000 members strong. We have incredible conversations and resources designed just for you to have full success in your homeschooling life. Last month, I did a webinar on the myth of rigor and requirements, and that is up for replay now and perfect as a way for you to anticipate January when you re-up that homeschooling commitment. This month, I'm doing another webinar in December to talk about how to create your own annual solstice tradition. This is a tradition that I created during a dark period in my personal life, and it birthed a living tradition that continues today with my adult kids. This solstice tradition is not specifically religious in any way, but it capitalizes on the magic and habits of your homeschool. So if that's something of interest to you, I invite you to join Brave Learner Home. To learn more, go to bravewriter.com slash special dash offer. It's in the show notes, and I look forward to seeing you inside. Another way to use December that goes to the homeschool subjects is to sort of do a holiday traditions around the world study. Uh, I remember when we had American Girl dolls, Johanna got Kirsten, and she was the doll from Sweden, and they had like the St. Lucia's celebration in early December, which was a crown of candles on Kirsten's head. And that got us interested in the whole Scandinavian approach to the Christmas season. 
I remember one year we studied all the different versions of Santa Claus and St. Nicholas and where that came from and how it was interpreted in other European cultures. Later, we got interested in Kwanzaa, finding out how that whole tradition was created and what each of the days symbolized. My stepfamily is Jewish, so we spent some time understanding the Festival of Lights and learning songs I had learned as a child like dreidel, 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 etc. Perhaps then you can also turn your attention to other countries on the globe. You might spin a globe or open an atlas and let kids randomly select another country and then Google to find out. Do they celebrate the same holiday in December that we do? Or do they have another holiday that's more important to their culture? When does it occur? What are the traditions that go with it? Is it tied to a religious tradition or not? What are some of the practices that remind us of traditions we have, whether for the holiday in December or not? Is there a parade? Do they use candles? Do they use bonfires? Is there a gift exchange? What kind of feasting or fasting? These are the kinds of questions that lead to this beautiful compare and contrast experience that we want to teach our kids. But here we are using the holiday season to do it, and we're getting a nice little ethnographic discovery at the same time, which I think is fabulous. I know for my kids, they always loved picking countries that they thought no one else had ever heard of, right? So give them full breadth of opportunity to pick a place that maybe you know very little about to discover if there is some overlap or if there's a complete contrast. And by the way, if there's overlap and the cultures do seem profoundly different, you can also ask the question, did they adopt a tradition that was brought to them from another place? That's also a really interesting history question to ask about how holiday traditions get established in other places. I remember when we were doing some of this with my kids, one of the funny things we discovered is we were looking to see where our holiday was celebrated around the world. And of course, we were celebrating Christmas at the time. And we looked at Australia and South America where it's summertime in December and discovered that they had beach picnics and wore shorts. But in Australia, they still put snow on the windows. <laughs> they still have this relationship to the UK where they want to have like really, um, you know, those meals you bake in the oven that are super hot and tasty and very winter focused. Whereas in South America, without that tie to England, they tend to have their own foods and traditions that reflect the season they're in. So that was a contrast, and we found it really fascinating at the time. So that's another way to use December, is geography, history, social customs, religion, holidays, understanding the globe, discovering ties and influences between different cultures. Truly a fascinating way to go. Another thing to do in December that is homeschoolish but relates to the holiday season is to interview grandparents about their favorite childhood memories around this season. 
For me, I remember when we talked with my mom, we found out that she and her sister used to perform a song each year for their parents, like on Christmas Eve, I think it was. And that was a tradition I didn't even know about. So see what you can discover. Is there a recipe that you could be making that has been passed down, that has been forgotten about in your immediate family? Is there a custom that you could adopt this year and experiment with it? Is there simply a really funny story that you've never heard? Giving your kids the opportunity to interview grandparents grows their interviewing skills. And all of this could be jotted down in a big book of memories about the holidays. Perhaps you build a journal this year that collects holiday traditions from both sides of the family. And then you pick some new ones to try with your own children. So these are ways that I think we can turn December into a both and. We're not looking at doing the traditional schoolwork the way we did it in November, but we're not forgetting about the school subjects either. In my book, The Brave Learner, I talk about everything can be taught through anything and anything can be taught through everything. This is the continent of learning in action. And what we're putting in the center is holiday. And then we are building that continent by saying, okay, how can we use the holidays to talk about math? How can we use the holidays to talk about geography? How can we use the holidays to incorporate writing? By the way, I didn't even talk about writing yet. Writing name tags, writing place cards, writing the family holiday letter. We actually teach you how to do that in our products. I will put a link in the show notes to the product that teaches you how to create a family holiday end of the year letter where each child contributes because that is a fabulous writing project for December. You can also encourage the writing of recipe cards to share a favorite recipe with each family member. In fact, one of the fun ways to share recipes is with whatever gifts you're giving out. So if your family is going to take gifts to your sister's family and there are five kids and you have five kids and everybody's giving gifts, just write that family recipe on a note card, put a hole punch in the corner and tie it with the ribbon on the outside of that gift. Each child could write one recipe card and learn how to write a recipe. You know, it takes a kind of structure and they could do it on a note card and include it as a gift for that family member. So these are ways that we use that continent of learning where holidays are at the center and we imagine all the activities we're going to be doing and how they relate to each of the school subjects. And by the end of the month, holy goodness, you are going to have such a nice list of things that you've done together and you'll feel good about counting and valuing them. And by the end, you'll know that this month was both a rich celebration and a satisfying home education experience. Here's a little bonus tip. If you've stayed this long through the podcast, a lot of parents eagerly look forward to having their kids write thank you notes after they've received all these gifts. And there is so much nonsense around thank you notes. First of all, Today, a lot of thank yous happen via text 
or FaceTime or Voxer or through Marco Polo. Like we don't have to always do thank you notes. Mailing a thank you note is less significant today than it's ever been in the last 100 years. If, however, you want your child to send a thank you note to a relative, I want you to do two things for me. One, if the relative is a picky pot about grammar and punctuation, do not let your child send a thank you note that is unedited. What that means is you're going to work on writing the thank you note with your child, jot down their words. You're going to create a perfect model for them to use like copy work, and they're going to copy it into the thank you note in pencil. You're going to go through and correct any mistakes. You don't have to talk to them about the mistakes. You're just going to fix them. And then you're going to send the note and it will be error free. Never, ever, ever send a thank you note that is filled with errors to a mean relative who holds you or your child accountable for bad spelling, punctuation, handwriting, or grammar. If your child's handwriting is still struggling, there is nothing wrong with typing a thank you note or tracing your handwriting. You get to decide which one, but typed thank you notes are fabulous. And there's no reason, again, to subject your child to unwanted criticism just for the sake of teaching your child to write a thank you note. Typing works, tracing works, copying a clean, perfectly edited original works. If you have family members who are like me, <laughs> loving, don't care if the handwriting looks messy, welcome a few missing periods and uncapitalized first letters in a sentence. Send as is and warn that relative that it's coming and you are sending it that way because you know they love this child and would never say anything negative or make them feel bad, but you wanted them to have a sample of where this child is at this stage in the journey. Now, obviously, when I get that kind of thing, I'm going to be overjoyed and celebrating my child, my grandchild, right? And that's what you want. You want a Julie Bogart-style relative receiving those raw unedited, scrabbly, scribbly looking thank you notes. So please, for the love of all things winter, do not send a thank you note with spelling, handwriting, punctuation, and grammar errors to your picky pot relatives. Repeat after me, not required. Do a Marco Polo or a FaceTime with that relative and let them delight in the adorableness of your child's childlike voice <laughs> and save handwriting for people who are kind. This is the part of the podcast where I ask you to leave a review. You can leave stars or words, whatever your choice is. If you've already left a review, thank you so much. You never know, Natalie might read yours one of these weeks. The truth is I love podcasting and I couldn't do it without you. I'd love your ideas for the next topics you'd like me to discuss on the show. To let us know, reach out to us via our SMS or texting number. That number is 1-833-947-3684. I know that's a mouthful. Don't worry. It's in the show notes. Simply text the word POD to be added to the podcast group 
And then just text us any ideas you have for future shows. We're already building a beautiful Excel spreadsheet with all your ideas. Hi, everyone. It's Natalie with the Brave Writer team, and I'm again looking through five-star reviews and loving them all. Today's comes from RC Farm. I was introduced to this podcast from another homeschooling podcast. Everything I hear is a breath of fresh air that tells me, relax, mom, you've got this. Enjoy the benefits of home and the learning will take place naturally. Thank you for the tips, ideas, and strategies for each of my individual kids. Today's episode was produced by Nova Media with support from team members Jeanette Hall and Natalie Miele. I'm Julie Bogart, author of The Brave Learner and Raising Critical Thinkers. I'm also the founder of BraveWriter.com, an innovative approach to writing instruction. You've been listening to The Brave Writer Podcast. Until next time, keep going. Think well. I'm rooting for you. Thank you.